Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and also CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. Meryl, you called recently to say you had a client question about FDIC insurance, and I had a question from a client that I met with about FDIC insurance on that same day. How weird is that? Honestly, Crystal, it was so funny because I haven't been asked about FDIC insurance in years. And then I had a second client ask, and you've got clients asking, and that kind of made me worried for the economy. Do the clients think the banks are going to fail? I don't know if they think banks are going to fail, but I have had clients converting investments in real estate to cash. Um, So now they have more cash to put in the bank than they have typically. And and so the question comes up. Yeah, I that, I agree too. I have a lot of clients who have liquidated things and are sitting on cash because they, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen with the presidential election and we got COVID and the economy and no one knows what to do. So I thought this would be a great time to talk about FDI insurance. Um, you know, what is the FDIC? What does it insure? And what are the rules? Because when the economy is great, we forget about the FDIC insurance. And now that people are concerned, it's going to be a good primer. So the FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And it's one of two agencies that provide deposit insurance to depositors, people who use banks um, in the U.S. So the to, thanks to Wikipedia, we know that the FDIC, because, you know, that's where lawyers get all their good research. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a corporation, it's a government corporation, and it provides deposit insurance to people who put money in a bank, in a U.S. commercial bank, and it is there in case the bank fails, your accounts are insured up to $250,000 per person, per ownership category. So we're going to talk about what that means. So Crystal, what does the FDIC cover? So it covers, uh, Meryl, checking accounts, and and these are at banks, not credit unions. Credit unions have their own insurance coverage. Um, But at banks, it covers checking accounts, um, now accounts, negotiable order of withdrawal accounts, savings accounts, money market accounts, CDs, and then cashiers, checks, money orders, and and other items issued by the bank. So what's interesting to me is people forget that what they don't cover is they don't cover stock accounts and the checks that come with stock accounts. They don't cover bond investments, mutual funds, life insurance policies, annuities. If it's considered an investment, it's not covered by the FDIC. They really only cover negotiable accounts, which are not stock accounts. Right. And a lot of people at banks have both their checking or savings account and a separate investment accounts. And it's important to note that that separate investment account is not covered by FDIC insurance. Or they'll have their checking relationship at a brokerage and not a real bank. 
right. and forget not that covered. that's not covered. So right. it's, it's really a very, the, the, now it doesn't mean that they're not covered. It's just covered in a different way, perhaps, or it might not be covered. So right. if you're looking for FDIC insurance, it is a very specific type of insurance for a very specific type of account. Now, what I found interesting um, when I was brushing up on the rules on the FDIC is that any person or entity has that coverage and the person doesn't have to be a U.S. citizen or resident or they, you know, just humans that are invested in a checking account or a, another covered account and a company that is covered also has the coverage. And I thought that was interesting, but the amount is $250,000 per depositor, per insured bank for each account type. And that's where things get interesting, Crystal. What are the account types? The account types, Meryl, are there are single accounts, um, what they call certain retirement accounts, joint accounts, um, revocable trust accounts, irrevocable trust accounts, employee benefit plan accounts, um, any corporation, partnership, LLC, unincorporated association account, and government accounts. And, And they all are defined. Yeah, in great, great detail. <laughs> yes. Basically, a single account is a deposit account or you know, a covered account owned by one person. And when they say that, they're saying it's a it's not a an account that has payable on death that makes it something else. Mm-hmm. It's just some one person owning it. And of course, those are the types of accounts that we as estate planners don't appreciate because if someone dies and they have a bank account that is a single account and it doesn't have payable on death, then, or it isn't holding a trust, then we have to go through probate with that account. So my, my goal in life is to make sure my clients don't have any single accounts. Mine too. But I thought it was interesting that it covers certain retirement accounts. I never realized that. Um, And those include IRA accounts like traditional and Roth and the simplified, you know, SEP IRAs and simple IRAs. That was interesting to me. I didn't realize that. I didn't either. And as I was reading this and and thinking about it, I'm not sure I have any clients that have retirement accounts at a a bank, an FDIC insured bank. I think most of us hold them. Most of my clients hold them on on an investment platform. Yes, you're right. Oh my gosh, you're right. They do. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And maybe that's why it never occurred to me that the FDIC covers them because my clients don't have them in banks. Yeah, <laughs> we don't see them. And even when you're dealing with the bigger banks, generally, as you said, you know, you have to be careful because the bank has the bank side and then the bank has the investment side and they're not the same thing. Right. Now they also, um, they cover joint accounts which is a deposit owned by two or more people. So tenants buy the entirety, joint tenants with rights of survivorship, um, and tenants in common, which is funny because to me, tenants in common really is two single accounts. Two single accounts, yeah. (laughs) um, Two single accounts walking together. Um, But the joint account, they have to be humans. It can't be entities to be a a joint account. Mm -hmm. Um, and the co-owners have to have equal rights to withdraw for it so, to be considered a joint account. Right. So we have, um, 
whether we as planners like it or not, we have, especially it happens with elderly clients who will name a child as a signer on the account, but not a joint owner. Those do not, those aren't classified as joint accounts. That would still be a single account. Yes. For FDIC purposes. I don't really want my, well, I want my clients to have their children who, adult children who are helping them to use the power of the durable power of attorney and not the signature power that the bank offers for a couple different reasons. Um, One is that I have found that very often when my clients go in with their adult children to the bank to set the child up as a signer, very often the child ends up being a joint owner. And I don't want that for a couple reasons. One is if that child then gets in a car accident and gets sued or gets divorced and gets sued, that account is up for grabs by the person who is suing them. And second, it screws up my estate planning because if I want, if the parent wants everything to go equally to the three children and one child is the now joint owner of the account, is that child going to get 100% of it? And it just makes things difficult. So I prefer that we don't have joint accounts for my elderly clients for the convenience of signing. So Crystal, one area of FDIC insurance, which comes up a lot with our clients, is when our clients have a revocable trust, a revocable living trust, and they have beneficiaries who will receive the deposits when the person dies. So it's a trust account with beneficiaries through the trust. The FDI insurance, FDIC insurance is interesting because the beneficiaries actually get counted as part of the $250,000. So if you'd like to talk about that, that this is kind of interesting to me. And so Meryl, as I was researching this and reading through what you sent me, I was surprised um, because I didn't understand how the FDIC insurance coverage limits were calculated for revocable trusts. I didn't realize that the beneficiaries at the death of the grantor count towards that FDIC insurance limit. Yeah, I I had forgotten that the grantor is not covered. The beneficiaries are. In in other words, not necessarily that that the amount of the trust is covered for the beneficiaries, not the grantor. So if there's seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a trust account, and there are three beneficiaries and one grantor, each beneficiary is covered up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which would cover the trust account. But if the trust account has a million dollars in it, and it has one grantor and three beneficiaries, it is covered for the three beneficiaries of $750,000, but not, you don't get to count the grantor. Which the difference there also is it doesn't, if the grantor has a different account at that bank, that's a single account or a joint account, or however it may be owned other than a revocable trust account, this revocable trust account does not affect the grantor's individual $250,000 insurance limit at that institution. Correct. But if the beneficiaries have an account at that same bank, right, it does affect it. And that's where the FDIC insurance gets tricky because the beneficiaries might not know that they are beneficiaries of this trust. 
And the grantor may have no idea where the beneficiaries do their banking. Right. So the, and remember this $250,000 is for that one person for all the accounts. So, if, bank. Yeah. you know, if they've got a broke, I'm sorry, if they've got a bank account, a savings account, a money market account, and they have $150,000 in those three accounts, and then their aunt Dorothy puts a trust account in there with $250,000 in it, and they're the only beneficiary, they now have $400,000. I didn't do the math on this well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say they have $400,000 worth of assets in the bank, but only $250,000 of them would be covered by FDIC insurance. Right. And and like you said, that beneficiary may have no idea that they've exceeded their limit. Right. Right. So I think this will be a good um, opportunity. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to remind my clients about FDIC insurance rules and ask them to take a look at where they are banking and see if they are all in one bank, which you know, we have to weigh the weigh the cost or or benefit of breaking out the accounts into different banks and having multiple accounts or consolidating them and making life easier by having them with one bank. So it's it's really a difficult um issue. I because most often I'm saying simplify, 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 bring everything together into one account. But for FDIC purposes, we might not be able to do that, um, which is not, you know, that, that's the fun part of being an advisor, right? Like, right. Yeah. Six, well, half, and- half of six is half a dozen of one and six in the other. Yeah. And, and also picking and choosing what clients you have this conversation with. There are some of the, you know, a lot of the bigger banks were not really concerned because when is this a concern? It's concerned if your bank goes under. Um, a lot of the big banks, we don't have the same concerns as clients who use um, smaller banks. And I have a lot of clients that use independent family-owned banks. Um, having the conversation with them that may those institutions may seem a little more risky than the bigger national bank. Yeah, but on the other hand, the the... I'm such a fan of independent banks and, and community banks, you know, they might actually have really great credit processes and they don't, they might have much better financials than the big banks, <coughs> Wells Fargo, um, <laughs> you know, so, but on the other hand, the banks are too big to fail, right? So right. I don't see banks failing. Well, it would be helpful, you know, the $250,000 number hasn't changed in about 25 years, I think, right? Wasn't it in the last change was in the 1990s? Yes. So that number, it would be helpful if that number was brought up to something more reasonable via inflation, at least. But I don't think that's going to be on the top of anyone's list in Congress. No, probably not. You know, and and the the accounts I really think about that are really cash heavy for a period of time are um, estate accounts. When somebody dies and we open an estate account, yeah, and a big life insurance policy comes in or something like that. Well, one of the things that I also found 
was great is the FDIC has some really neat informational pieces that I don't remember from looking at them before. They've got a wonderful pamphlet called Your Insured Deposits. It comes in a couple different languages. It comes in a PDF. You can drop it down into your Kindle. I mean, it's got some really, it's got a really great brochure, but they also have a very nifty online estimator called EDIE, E-D-I-E. I think it stands for the Electronic Deposit Insurance Estimator. And it's at the FDIC.gov website. And it's just a nice little estimator that if you put in the information properly, should give you a really good idea of what's being protected and what isn't. So that's a nice, good job, FDIC. I'm happy with that. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Crystal Woodbury. And I'm Meryl Bailey. Thanks for joining us. Go dazzle your clients like a tax boss. Remember, great advisors work with each other. Contact us at taxbosses.com with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to be on the show.